Auditorium 8, the theater with no 20 minutes worth of trailers, and no one talks during the movie. My name is Martin Padilla, and with me as always is my co-host, Nate Smalley. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing good. Um, today's episode, we are going to be covering some of our um, movie news that we found, and uh, our featured review will be Christopher Robin. Okay, okay, so um, what have you been watching this week, man? I haven't really talked to you about what you're watching. I know you saw the game, but what else did you watch? Well, a couple of days ago, I watched um, Giant starring James Dean with, mm-hmm. and, um, with my dad. And I was, I'm always a huge fan of James Dean's movies, even though he only made three. I really love his first two, which is East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause. But this you, one, you posted a picture that the other day. And yeah. I, I was saying that was Tony Wise, though. But just tearing me up. <laughs> and uh yeah i didn't really like it that much like as as like the other two films go this one was a really a big disappointment because the characters you don't really root for them the main ones by elizabeth i can't remember her name and uh just the two main characters i didn't really like them if anything james dean was the the hero and they made him to look like the villain by the end of the movie. And now, I just didn't is like this it. the one that you said he was the supporting character in? Where he's yeah. not the okay. He's, the, not, he's not the main character. I remember you character. talking to you about one of them, and I've only seen I think East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause, so I still need to watch that. Yeah, but yeah, it was a really big disappointment. And it's like three hours and thirty minutes long. So Zionist. Yeah, it's like a really long movie because like goes from like one period of time into like another period in between that period. Mm-hmm. It's like. 40 years. I, I don't mind a long movie if it's done right. I, I really like long movies if... Because there are some movies like um, Blade Runner 2049, and I know you didn't like that much, or um, like Interstellar. Those are two movies that are sci-fi, but I do think that with it comes a huge storyline, and a huge storyline does need some time to evolve. So I do think that there's some movies that could do the three hours and um, live off of it. Um, there are some movies that definitely can't that I just get bored with. Uh, Lord of the Rings are definitely some that I think do take advantage of the three hours that they get. Um, I love those, but yeah, I know you were watching those too, weren't you? Yeah, I, I watched the I just rewatched the first one because it was on Netflix and I was just scrolling around. And I'm like, hey, there's Lord of the Rings. I'm gonna watch that. But another thing that I found on Netflix that I was wanting to see but I never got to see was her starring yes, Joaquin Phoenix. Like John's, uh, yeah. Love story, yeah. Yes, that's a great movie. It's a weird, it's a weird movie, but it's, it's a great it's, story. It's weird. I remember you messaged me about it, and I was like, I don't know how to tell him this, but it's really weird. Uh, <laughs> like, don't yeah. don't expect anything that's not normal. <laughs> like, I think the thing that I love most about the movie is how it all looks, because it's like all like all the colors in the movie are bright. There, none of them are dark. You, you know what I noticed about that movie, and um. I mean, that movie, Logan and uh, Looper, these are all movies that take place in the future, but it's also not so far in the future that it's not believable. Like, it's subtle. You know, yes. there's not flying cars. There's nothing out of the ordinary. It's not like Back to the Future 2 yeah. and all that stuff. And, I mean, while Back to the Future 2 is, I think, a great movie, it doesn't um, take away from the fact that it, it, it does look ridiculous. It's just this world that it's in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. Uh, Her is a great movie. That's one of those movies that I watched just for the sheer performance of Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, um, he did a really great job. I think this was like it's not like right. It's not like it's not as good as like Walk the Line, but it's like right there. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is. It's weird. There was a period where he uh, 
sort of went crazy with um, that movie that he made, the mockumentary of uh, basically how his life is as a movie star. But it, it's weird. He's changed so much over the years, and now he's doing that Todd Phillips Joker movie that I believe is going for an R rating, which can't wait to see that if it'll work. I'm, I'm really, like, mixed on it because on one hand, I'm like, there's no way that Joaquin Phoenix can play a Joker or anything like that. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, we've been surprised before by castings. And- yes. Um, so many people were um, really harassing and just saying a lot of stuff about Heath Ledger as soon as he got cast as the Joker and he uh, yeah. got an Oscar for that performance. Uh, Daniel Craig is James Bond. Daniel I Craig mean, is James Bond. People really hated that. Um, but yeah, I think if he does a good job, um, I don't know, Joaquin Phoenix really seems to own all his roles. So yes. I think if, if he really puts himself into it and he has put himself in every performance in the last few years, um, I really, I'm really hoping to see something good out of him, but yeah, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, have you seen anything else lately? Uh, like I said, like you said, uh, I just watched the game starring yeah. Michael Douglas. David Fincher's um, not his first feature; it was his second one, I believe, after Alien Three. Yeah, and we all know how Alien Three was. Yeah, so this one, Alien Three. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, uh, the game, I was really disappointed because I fell in love with. Uh, David Fincher's Seven with Morgan Freeman and Brad mm-hmm. Pitt. I, that's in my top ten movie list of all time. It's yeah, going to stay there. That's a great movie. I know for an absolute fact that it's going to stay in that list. So I was like really like excited about this one because when I saw it, it was starring Michael Douglas and uh, directed by David Fincher, I was like wondering, man, this movie is probably going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then, uh, I will say that, and I told you about this, is that I'm a huge fanboy of uh, David Fincher and... Um, sort of biased towards his films. But I do remember that seeing Gone Girl in theaters was really what made me want to see more of David Fincher's movies. Um, and as soon as that happened, I went down the list. I saw Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo 7, and then finally I hit the game. And even though Alien 3 and the game are still sort of, you know what I mean, they're, they're not both the same kind of movies. Game is definitely more drama than Alien 3. Um I still look at the game and I think this is probably his my least favorite Fincher film, but I'm mm-hmm. still a huge fan of him. Um, yeah, he also didn't he also make Fight Club. Also, he did. Yeah, yeah, Fight Club is one of. Um, I always forget about that 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 his that he even made that movie. I guess it's just because it's the one I watch least out of his movies. I'm big into the drama part of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like with Seven, there's. A lot of drama, but the drama is not like the drama we hate. Like, yeah, it's you, more suspenseful. Yeah, it feels more like a horror movie. It's tense. Like, like whenever I watch Seven, I, I like, I like my hands yeah. are like in or like getting sweaty because it was like I'm like really like watching. I'm like watching this movie. Like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen next? Th- like, that that oh. movie it holds up so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I couldn't get through the first time watching it. I think I was like seven. <laughs> I, I was like seven or eight years old when I watched it the first time, not knowing what it was. Um, I found a VHS tape, um, and I put it in, watched it. I couldn't finish it. I was that scared. But I grew up, obviously. And I remember as soon as I was going down that list of Fincher movies that he's made, I saw that he made seven. I was like, oh, this guy made that <laughs> So... Naturally, I went back and watched it, and I loved it. Um, I'm a huge fan of horror movies now. I'm way better about it. But, um, yeah, like we mentioned before, me and Nate love horror movies. It's just if they're done right. If they're done right. If they're done the right way. We don't want that bull crap where you just give us a jump scare every few minutes. The early 2000s were 
They all oh, relied on man. jump scares. They are, there was nothing original about horror movies back then. It was terrible. I'm serious. I'm telling you, the, jo- the, the golden age of horror movies was somewhere between the 60s and the 80s. Those were the best horror movies I've ever seen. Um, not even just that, but lately it seems like a horror movie, there's not any average ones right now. There's not a single horror movie where I was like, okay, that was decent. It's either it sucks or it's amazing for a yeah. horror movie. It's it's so weird. Um I think because this year, uh, this there was a movie that came out this year, and it was I don't, I don't want to say it was a horror movie. It was more of like a it was more of a thriller, but there was horror aspects to it. And it's probably by the end of this year, it's probably going to be in my top ten favorite movies of this year, A Quiet Place. Yeah, and that, I mean, I, I'd say that's a horror movie. Maybe suspense. Yeah, more like suspense. Yeah, it was like a suspense thriller. Suspense thriller. Yeah, for, for me, um, we'll just say suspense thriller. thriller yeah. Um, yeah, and huge props to John Krasinski, man. I didn't think he could do it. Who um, thought Jim from The Office can make I mean, really not only just movie. that either, but he's in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's being in a movie and directing it and um, just playing off that aspect is amazing. Um, Nate just opened the soda if you guys remember what it was. Um, but yeah, um, Quiet Place was probably one of the best of this year so far, I think. Um, definitely. Uh that's yeah, as, horror movies are great. That's as far as I go, as far as what I've seen lately. But what's up with you? What have you seen um, lately? What was it, Monday or Tuesday night? I think it was Monday night that you were supposed to come with me, Tracy, and um, Alyssa to go see 8th grade. And you ended up not being able to come, which saddened me a little bit because I love talking to you on our way home from movies. But, um, yeah, I loved 8th grade. Uh, if you had told me that this guy that has these comedy specials on Netflix was going to make a movie that – was so real and so honest to the atmosphere and the feeling of eighth grade, I would have told you you were telling me a lie because this <laughs> movie was so good. Um, really? Just the opening scene alone, it felt so real to the way that a kid talks. There, there's um, like, okay, um, you know, like <laughs> so much of that. And she grows so much between the movie. And this is like, I think her last week of eighth grade, I think it's supposed to take place and I'm pretty sure it was. But um, she tackles just transitioning to high school, making friends, and um, all while talking to her dad uh, throughout the movie. It's it's so beautifully well done. Um, just the way that it, it it has these simple moments in the film that feel so climactic because mm-hmm. of the way that it's designed. Um, and just the way that that was sort of set up. Because, I mean, these are simple things. You know, she's going to a pool party. Mm-hmm. Sounds simple, but to her, this super antisocial, anxiety-filled eighth grader, this is <laughs> the most traumatic thing that she's ever had to do. Mm-hmm. And it only builds, and it just keeps building and building. I thought it was great. I think what makes these movies so great is that we can find a little bit of us in these characters. Yes, yes, for sure. I bet whenever you guys went to go see it and you saw this main girl who was, yeah. was in me, you can, you can all see yourself like, yeah, that's how, that's how the, I There was so many moments where I remember thinking to myself, like, this was me in middle school. This was me being that nerdy kid who just liked chicken nuggets and fries. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I mean, no matter how funny it is, that's what made it feel so much more surreal. And, um... Yeah, just definitely great movie. Check that out for sure. A24 puts out some of the best dramas, I think. It really. 
they were kind of like under the radar, and they started making really great movies, and then they're probably like one of the well-known. They're definitely well known for making really good movies. There are a few that they have that I don't, I don't really talk about, but um, Moonlight won Best Picture. Um, what was it last year? And that was put out by A twenty four. Disaster Artist was also oh, put out by yeah. them, and. I don't know, man. They they don't have a lot of budgets for their movies, but they definitely do what they can. Yes. Um, but yeah, I checked that out, and if you guys haven't seen it, check it out for sure. Um, I rewatched Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. If you haven't seen that, that's I, I haven't seen it. A wonderfully made film. Um, super trippy, man. I watched <laughs> it like two in the morning, I think, just because I couldn't go to sleep, and I ended up staying up all night just to watch it. It's really good. I it's definitely. A better viewing when you ha- when you haven't seen it in such a long time. Even a better viewing when you've seen it already, um, or if you haven't seen it, this is definitely your chance to see it. If you guys haven't, it's really good. Um, Dark Knight just hit Netflix, which is also a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight are both on there. I don't think Dark Knight Rises is on there yet, but it's, it's too new. It's too new. Yeah, we gotta wait a few years. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched that, and as I was just talking to Nate, I just got done watching The Meg in 3D with oh, Jason Statham. I know, I know you watched The Meg, but I didn't know about 3D. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah. Um, we'll, we're going to be covering that in the next episode, so we're just going to kind of skip over the fact that I watched it. Um, I kind of want to hear your opinion on this, because I was thinking about this a lot during the movie. What do you think about these big-budget movies not using 3D to their advantage? Um... Well, I think that's because, like, for a couple of years, there were a lot of movies that came out that were in 3D and... That actually used it to their advantage. Yes, but there were also movies that used 3D that was sort of like a con, sort of... It was a gimmick. It was, just, it was a cash grab, yeah. Yeah. Mostly horror movies. That, that was another trait that, mm-hmm. that made horror movies suck in the early... Well, I don't want to say, like, early 2000s, but, like, mid-2000s and going into... Around like, 2009 was when it started hitting a lot. Because yes. that was when we got... Texas Chainsaw 3D, My Bloody Valentine 3D, Final Destination 3D. A lot of horror movies worked on that gimmick. Yes, and I think uh, studios now know that sometimes 3D is a very tricky thing. I I would say, like, I would use 3D in, like, in a movie like maybe Blade Runner 2049 yeah. or something like that. But they know if, if we absolutely know 100% that 3D will make this movie even better that we will use it, but they just don't want to take that chance because yeah. if they do use it and then people go see it, they're like, man, the 3D was so unnecessary. Why did they use it? There are so many movies that I see now that are super unnecessary with the 3D. Um, I think the biggest thing about, especially with early 3D, like 2009, 2010, when they were making these movies, is they did this super weird gimmick thing where they would like, you know what I mean? Like, they would put their hand out to the screen, and they, they would just do some of the most ridiculous stuff mm-hmm. on screen. And then whenever the movie would release on DVD, it looked even more ridiculous because the 3D wasn't there, and there wasn't anything to, like, like you know, lean back in your seat into because it was just dumb. Um, and like you were saying, it costs a lot more to go see a movie in 3D. In 3D, yeah. Um, there are definitely some movies I think do look good in 3D that use 3D to their advantage. Avengers movies definitely use that to their advantage. Justice League definitely uses it to their advantage. Incredibles even uses it to their advantage. <laughs> I think that any big-budget comic book adaptation or kids' movie are really the ones that are using this to their advantage. If not, then there's no reason for it. Yeah, because I would say like a movie like A Quiet Place, that doesn't need 3D. That doesn't need 3D uh, at all. And Whoa. you watched Mission Impossible Fallout, yes. Yes. We talked about that in last week's episode. Did you watch it in 3D? No, we just watched it in regular. Okay, yeah. Because I remember 
like seeing that in IMAX and I saw it in 2D, but um, there's people that are seeing it in 3D and I was like, that is one of the most amazing looking movies that you've released all year, shot on film even. Does it really need that? Does it really need 3D? No, it doesn't. There's maybe one scene where that 3D maybe would pop is during the airplane sequence, but yes, but even then, it, it does it. It's not necessary because I watched it again in 3D, real D 3D, and it was useless. It was the most pointless decision ever made. I'd rather watch it in 2D. Yes, and. I mean, if you want to make your movie in 3D, just make sure that it's absolutely necessary. Like, there, if there's action sequences or there's drama... Use it to your advantage. Yes. Definitely. If, if you absolutely need it, then I would suggest using it. But if it's something like that you don't need it, but you just want to use it to just get more money out of it, then... The, the, and, yeah, that was one of the biggest things was I was watching The Meg and thinking, okay, so this is a shark movie. They could use this to their advantage. Not a single scene in that movie, I think, used it to advantage. There was maybe one part with the helicopter. That was about it. And even then, it didn't go for very long. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's our takes on 3D. Um, that was my list of movies that I'd seen in the past week. Any new movies or notable, noteworthy movies anyway. Um, we're going to talk to you guys about some news that we've heard yes. over the past few weeks. And um, this happened over, I think, two weeks ago. This was whenever I was heading to California. Mm-hmm. And um, me and Nate uh, were talking about this over the phone, and we finally decided to talk about it with some news that has also um, appeared uh, regarding Dave Batista. But James Gunn was fired from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And we all know why, because of his tweets and all that There was stuff. some tweets that were brought up 10 years later um, regarding really- pedophilia and rape jokes. Yes. And, uh, and some of these, we're not even going to say them just for the sake of keeping this at a rating where it's not explicit. But, um, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. What do you think, Nate? I think they made a wise choice in firing him because I think James Gunn is a weirdo. I mean, I think he could. I think he's a good director, but he's a weirdo. And just stuff that he said in those tweets, it's just no wonder. And the fact that all the, the main the main cast of Guardians of the Galaxy Fallen 3 is like trying to make him come back and Dave Batista said that if he doesn't come back I'm walking. Which I mean not a lot of leverage there considering his character is literally a pile of dust and they could just Yes. Oh he didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I, I can understand why they fired him and I think it was a good choice. I think they could choose another director that could do it better but Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, my opinion here is the same. I'm not going to sugarcoat what he said at all i'm not going to defend him in any way um the guy makes a good movie i'll say that um and regarding that i can't say that what he said is justified in any way i can't even say that i even agree with the cast of the movie but them defending him i think is so it shows their character they've worked with this guy they know that what he's made for these movies is passionate and James Gunn has always said that he always seems to find himself more in Rocket Raccoon than the rest of the characters in the movie. Rocket Raccoon is this redeemable character. We know that. In this time that he is needing to be redeemed, no one is there for him. So, I mean, I'm not defending at all what he said. I'm not agreeing with anything he said. Them firing him was a good choice, but they also did know about these tweets. Yes. Which, um, on their part, they shouldn't have hired him in the first place, regardless of how good those movies are. Um, what movies did he make? Uh, Gardens of Galaxy, Gardens of Galaxy 2, Slither. Oh, okay. Um, he also wrote the Scooby-Doo script that we got in 2001. That was amazing. 
Wow. Um, but yeah, with that news comes another piece of news um, regarding Dave Batista. If you guys don't know that, um, he's the guy who plays Drex in the movies. Um, he's threatening to walk away from the entire movie and asking to be recast if they don't use James Gunn's script that he wrote. Now, he's not asking them to keep him back on to direct, but to rather just use the script he wrote, which I guess in a way is sort of a punishment because they're not letting him direct it the way he would have. But at the same time, he's still going to get some money out of it. So I think it's a very bad thing to use another director's script and then bring on another director to use. It, it feels betrayed. It feels script. like betrayal. I knew. I know that if I were to make a script and I was about to shoot a movie, but I was fired at the last second, and then another director comes in and then uses my my script, but I don't get any acknowledgement for it. I don't. It doesn't say written it, by this. Yeah. It, it. What I'm saying though is that I think that there are some writers too out there who just don't want to be behind the camera. They'd rather just write it. And they, they like to use the vision. Tyler Sheridan does that with Wind River. Um, actually, he directed Wind River. He did that with Heller Highwater and Sicario and Sicario 2. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, but, yeah, those are our thoughts on what's going on with that. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on to our featured review of... Christopher Robbins. Christopher Robbins. <laughs> um, yeah, what did you think about it, man? I, I know you saw it before I did. Yes. Um, this you got the pleasure of seeing it with a full audience, with children and everything. Mm-hmm. And I saw it with my dad, and that was kind of awkward because, you know, I love my dad, and my dad loves his movies. He just doesn't want to spend his time watching a bad movie. Yeah. And, you know, I can understand that. I can perfectly. Does anyone want to waste their time watching a bad movie? Yes. So, but we gotta have those bad movies to appreciate the good ones. Yes. So when we went in this, I was like really nervous because I don't, I didn't know that much about Winnie the Pooh. I never like saw the cartoons. I yeah, never read the I, books. I, I never either. did any of that. So I asked my dad. I was like, "Hey, what do you know about Winnie the Pooh and all that stuff?" And he's like, "Well, when I was a kid, I read the books." And I was like, "Really? What's what's it about? What's the gist of it?" And he just said, well, there's this kid named Christopher Robin, and he hanged out with Queen the Pooh and all the characters and all that. And I was like, okay, so it's just basically like a Alice in Wonderland sort of thing where she goes through. Well, in this case, it was a door, but in Alice in Wonderland, she just fell through yeah. and just went into Which Wonderland. Done interestingly, I thought. Yes, but I think this movie is more of a kid's movie. It's nothing like... Like, when you see your friends at, like, a bar or something, and you're like, hey, we should go see uh, Christopher Robin. It's a great movie. No. I think it would be a good movie if you, like, if you're, like, a father and and mother, and you want to take your, like, three-year-old or four-year-old daughter and son to go see it. It's a good family movie to go check out, but it's nothing like an adult and all of his friends going to go see it. Yeah. Definitely not like that. It definitely, I guess what I was trying to compare earlier is what I said to you about this isn't the kind of movie that... Everyone is super hyped for. Um, when Incredibles came out, all these teenagers were mm-hmm. so hyped for it. It's been 14 years since we saw the first one. Because those teenagers were because kids. Because these teenagers the were kids. One. We grew up watching that. Um, yeah. Uh, same thing with Power Rangers. When that came out, I was super hyped for it. I watched Power Rangers all the time as a kid. Did I watch Winnie the Pooh as a kid? Not really. So I wasn't, like like you're saying, we weren't as psyched as we, like, yeah, people. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you grew up with it, you'll probably like it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't really know the source material that well. All I knew was that Pooh was this bear. I never knew he was actually a stuffed bear. <laughs> so seeing the trailer, my sister was freaking out. She she grew up on Winnie the Pooh. She she said it hit her feels. Uh-huh. Um, but I couldn't relate. I was like, okay, so I think bear? I think my I think the biggest uh, problem 
with it. And I think they could, if they would have did it differently, it would have it would have made the movie a lot more better. Is if they didn't name it Christopher Robin. I mean, yeah. if you know nothing about the title, it makes you not want to see it. Because no one, like a lot of people, haven't didn't grow up with Winnie Pooh, just like yeah. your sister. So they have no idea who Christopher Robin is. Yeah. So, but when they see the bear and they know it's Winnie the Pooh, then they would have been like, I would have done it like Winnie the Pooh. Return Christopher Robin. Yeah. That way you know what you're getting into. And and if this movie had no source material to go off of, like, the old cartoons or the old books or anything, this still would have been a good movie. It's not like it would have been amazing. It, what I'm saying is that since it had source material to go off of, that's sort of what it based off of. If there was nothing on it before, it still would have been easy to catch up on. You'd assume that these guys were old friends. Um, Christopher Robin grew up and then sort of never went back to where um, Winnie the Pooh was. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was a sweet movie. It was... It, it, it was sort of tugs at your heartstrings in a way, but it never really made me care. I thought it was funny. Like, it was well, funny during a lot of scenes, were, yeah. The humor is there. I mean, it's not like where you're going to fall off your chair and you, you're holding your stomach because you're dying laughing yeah. sort of thing, but you might... You'll chuck your... You'd not chuck It's your, not like... Chuckle here It's not there. like really, like, over-the-top humor either. It's really lighthearted, and it definitely feels genuine. Yes, and I think... Um, the story could have been different and a lot more better. Like, if they would have made it to where if it was Christopher Robin's daughter because her her daughter, his daughter is in here because he has family. Yeah. He has a wife and daughter. If it would have been just the daughter hanging out with Winnie Pooh and all those characters like her father did, mm-hmm. and then at the very end we figure out, wait, what, she's Christopher Robin's daughter, then that would have been like... A huge reveal, yes. Yeah. And, and that, they do sort of make a transition there, but it's not like it's... Like you, like the way that you set it up, yeah. Yes, and I think that would have uh, the story would have been ten times better than the story we got. I'm not. Oh, I'm getting. I'm I'm not saying that the story was bad. I think it was decent for what it was. But yeah. I'm just saying, if they would have done it like with his daughter doing what her father did forty years earlier, like what she's doing with Wayne the Pooh and all the characters, that had been a lot more. Uh, sweeter, and it would have made the st- the movie ten times better. At the very end, we figure out she's Christopher Robin's daughter. Yeah, that that would have been that really would've... good. Um, issues for me with this was really it's not like there was anything that like gouged out at me, but there was somewhere right in the middle where, and you've seen the movie, so this isn't really a huge spoiler. This isn't really a huge spoiler in general, but he's trying to get Pooh back home. Yes. A lot of that scene drags on. Yes, it drags on so much because it's there's a lot of sweet moments, but then there's a lot of moments where it hits a lot of depressing it, dialogue. That, it's so weird, like for a kids movie, and I mean just a family movie in general, because there's a lot of feelings obviously that come up from this. Yes, and it it doesn't really pick up until we see the rest of the team again. Yes, and <clears throat> I th- I think even McGregor. Oh, not Ian. Is it, that's not his name. Ewan McGregor. I don't know how to pronounce his name, honestly. At this point, it's been like 10 years. I've been trying to say it right. He's okay, but he's not a character that we could support 100%, sort of. The only the only reason why we can support him is because we knew what he was when he was a kid. When he was a kid who hanged out with me and Pooh, and he was such a nice kid. But Wait, Do you mean support him like from the aspect where he's having fun with Pooh or where he's... Like, having fun with Pooh, trying to uh, figure out stuff. his older days. Yeah. yeah, and trying to handle his old days, but being in the days of being a father and a husband yeah. sort of thing. And uh, it just, his character wasn't, uh, I, I don't want to say, it's 
They definitely develop him, but they develop him in a way that feels unrealistic. Yes, and I think, like you said, some scenes drag on, like where he was trying to get Pooh back into back to his home. That could have taken like ten minutes. Yeah, but they, they drag, drag it, it out for they, a while. It drags it drags on to where it's like almost it takes up half the movie, yeah. and it's just what was really unnecessary. And I mean, all I'm gonna say is that. The story was decent. It could have been better. Uh, the characters, like Winnie the Pooh, uh, all all those characters, they were fun and energetic on screen, and it was a great. It was, it was fun. Um, the best part for me was like the last twenty minutes. Twenty minutes of it, yes. it picks up. Yeah, so that was probably my favorite part. But before that, when it was just him of uh, finding Winnie the Pooh, trying to get him back home, reliving his old days, trying to be a father, trying to be a husband, trying to cram that all in this one movie. It just didn't work work out the way that they're wanting to. And it's, it's not a terrible movie. It's not a good movie. I would say it's a decent movie. And if you're in... If you're if you're a parent and you want to have you want to go see a great movie with your kids, I would definitely recommend going to see Christopher Robin. But if you're an adult and you want to just want to go see a movie, this is not a movie that I would recommend because it's just for younger kids. Uh, yeah, and so that's those are my final thoughts on this uh, movie. Uh, go ahead. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I totally agree with you there. Um, I didn't enjoy myself as much as I really would like to say. I think what makes a good I guess just family movie in general is the fact that it's for a family. Yes. With a family, you have kids and you have adults. Yes. You gotta be able to, you know what I mean. You yes. gotta be able to please both parties. Like. And what yeah. Disney has done right in the past is they've done that with all their animated movies. Mm-hmm. Granted, there are a number of movies in that roster that probably aren't that great. Um, but Inside Out, Coco, all these animated movies that they've made in the past 10 years, they've all been great. They cater to adults and children. Um, this one definitely feels more like it is catered for children. Because there are movies that are catered for children and catered for adults, like in, in Mission Impossible 5, well, not 5, 6. That was definitely catered for, for children. Th- I mean adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> for in- children, bro. Are you kidding me? That Henry Cable drops the F-bomb. <laughs> But, like, Incredibles 2, children. <laughs> children and adults, yeah. Yeah. Everyone I, loved that movie. There are movies where it could be both children and adults. I can, But Christopher Robin is more for kids. It feels like it was for kids and fans who were who liked Pooh as a kid. I Definitely mean, that. I mean, if, if you're an adult and you read the books and you uh, watched the cartoons from the 70s and you grew up on them, and then you, you're a uh, father or a mother and you have a kid and... You, you just happen to name him Christopher Robin. Go see it. <laughs> Come on, Christopher Robin. We're going to go see how you got named. You better watch this because this is how, this is how we gave you your name. This oh. is how you got your name. <laughs> What's, what does Wayne the Pooh say? He says, like, Christopher Robin. It's like, it's always um, nice, to, it's nice to have fun and play when... Christopher Robin something something something. I don't, I, I don't even remember. I don't remember point. that line, um, but... Yeah, we, we did mention the rest of the gang, and that's the, what was their names? Eeyore, Piglet, and the Kangaroo. I forgot what their names are. Um, they weren't in the movie that much. They weren't in the movie that much. They they, they are definitely in it. Um, All the characters are in it, but... When they show up, they try to make it, they try to treat it like it's a huge 
Avengers kind of team up moment. I didn't felt that. Yeah, because um, we don't know these characters. We don't know these characters. They never elaborate on them. For anyone who's never seen these movies, you just know that these are the rest of the gang. Yes. Um. Yeah, they really elaborate more on Pooh, it seems like, and a little bit on Tigger and Eeyore. Because most of this movie is focused on Pooh and his relationship to Christopher Robin. With Christopher Robin, which was, I think, done well. Yes, you um, can really tell that they had a great relationship in the past, and they're trying to have that same relationship now, but... Uh, it doesn't work, because Ewan McGregor is fighting Star Wars. Yeah, and circumstances changed and all that stuff. Because he's yeah. fighting in Star Wars. Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, um, some aspects worked, some aspects not. I mean, some aspects didn't work, but... You know, it's just a charming movie. There's a charm to this the, movie the, that I really enjoy. Christopher Robin does, or not Christopher Robin, Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, um, he, he's got this charming aspect to him. He's like a clueless little kid. It's fun to watch. He's, um, a, he's my favorite character. So I think yeah, I mean, it, it was fun to watch a, another innocent character like Paddington on screen. Yes. Um, and Paddington, too. I, I watched that movie not knowing anything about it. I didn't see the first one, and I loved it. I watched the first one on Netflix, and then I watched the second one. Yeah. Not in theaters, but, like, I think I watched it, like, three weeks ago. I watched it in theaters thinking that it was the first movie of 2018 that I was going to see. Yes. Only to realize that it actually came out at the end of the year, and the end of the year last year overseas first, so I can't really put that in my top ten of this year, but... Yeah, and another problem that I have with this movie is there wasn't really an antagonist. I mean, you would... Yeah, there's no clear antagonist. We never really have anyone to, like root against yes we never really have anyone that like shows up on screen and we're like ugh yeah um, that, yeah cause you really need an antagonist in your story right? yeah. cause that really makes your story more interesting if you don't have an antagonist it's just kind of like there's no uh, d- d- I guess the antagonist here is a metaphor or an idea that maybe we don't have to grow up. Um, time. And if so, time. time time is our antagonist here. Time is the um, let, let it be rest assured that in time is not a good antagonist. I mean, we figured this out, and we're, we're teenagers. Think about, like, little kids going into this movie. Of course, they don't know anything Kids about are going to have a good time with it. Yes. Kids will watch anything. I mean, really, they saw Hotel Transylvania. That movie made, I don't know how many millions over the weekends, and... Hotel Transylvania. If you guys are wondering why we haven't reviewed Hotel Transylvania 3, it's because we didn't bother to watch it. Yes. I tried watching it, and I fell asleep. Hmm. Twice. I asked him, I was like, hey, how was Hotel Transylvania? Is it a movie I should go see? And you're like, that movie sucked. I can can barely I couldn't stay awake longer than 10 minutes every single time I watched it. Um... And that says a lot, man. Um, I like animated movies. Anyone who says that I don't... Just saying that. I'm putting that out there. Don't think that we didn't watch this movie because I don't like animated movies. I don't like Adam Sandler. Okay. Um, <laughs> he made a couple. Actually, he made a couple good movies. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. I don't like his new stuff. His his new stuff is lazy and uh, it's just childish, cartoonish. Uh, Jack and Jill. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Jill. Jack and Jill. <laughs> um, what's what's the what's the movie about him being a hairdresser and all that stuff? If, if you know what I'm talking about. Was it the one that was on Netflix? It was on Netflix. Oh, wait, no. You don't mess with the Zohan. Oh. That movie was awful. <laughs> but I don't want to defer it, but I'm just going to say about Adam Sandler. I'm just going to say I like Happy Gilmore. 
I like Billy Gilmore's good. I like Billy Madison. B- Big Daddy's pretty good too. Big um, Daddy and the Wedding Singer. The Punch Drunk Love, written by Paul Thomas Anderson, was also the guy that wrote that movie I gave you for your birthday, Magnolia. Uh-huh. Um, he wrote Punch Drunk Love, and while it's not an amazing movie, it's still very enjoyable, and it does show us the dramatic side of Adam Sandler. Yes. Um, anyway, we've been going off on Adam Sandler, so <laughs> we're going to go into the spoiler section of Christopher Robin. Woo! If there's any spoilers, it's spoiler. Oh, we have been waiting years to talk about the spoiler section. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, there's not really much to talk about. Well, <laughs> I guess you can say at the beginning, Christopher Robin is sort of an a-hole. The story sort was of. was a little... <laughs> he no. totally was. So, the story was cliche. I, I didn't mean this up, it's but it's cliche. cliche. It pulled it, the greatest showman and then it ended with a toy story. Yes, because a lot of movies are like talking about this man. Can he be a father? Can he be a husband? He has to prove to his daughter or son and wife that he could he could do it and all that stuff. And I don't think it worked in this movie. I, I like that how they showed him growing up. The pages of the books. Yes, that was. They a, definitely showed all the significant aspects of his life without giving us like like a ten you, minute montage kind of thing. Like how he went to school and how he lost his father and how he grew up and how he met his wife and how he went off to war and he never met his child and he meeting his child for the first time coming back from war and working at a sales. Uh, a briefcase sales. Like briefcases, yeah. yeah. I love his wife, by the way. <laughs> well, if she you're was, listening to this. She was Agent Peggy. Agent from, Peggy, yeah. From Captain she's, America. Um, yeah, she's great. Um, <laughs> if you want to give me a call. Um, anytime, if you're listening to this, just email us. Yeah, um, but like I said, if they just would have used the story of like his daughter being the main character and hanging out with but that would have been a lot more bigger, a better story. But for this story, there are some heartwarming moments, like you said at the beginning, where it's t- talking about how he grew up and how mm-hmm. everything happened to him. But uh, after that, it, he was just wasn't that big, like he wasn't a supportive character. That I couldn't support him because he was being an a hole throughout the I entire mean, movie. I couldn't support. I mean, how do I say it? But there were I some moments where he was lighthearted and. He, it's whenever he sees Pooh again that yes, you really not, feel for him, but not really. Seeing Pooh again because talking that, to him, yeah, but just that seeing was him kind of that was rushed. That was you, definitely you have to admit that was rushed, and he just saw he's like Pooh, and he's like, oh, Christopher Robbins, it's good to see you again. He's like, okay, we have to take you home. Let's go. That that was it. That's the only thing that happened throughout this entire story. For me, the first time where I was like, man, he's a great guy, is whenever they go back to Chris uh, Pooh's home, back to the forest, and he's trying to save the. The donkey is depressed, and he like jumps in, and he's like, "Oh wait, I grew up." <laughs> oh. that, I, I will say that um, that was the probably my it, favorite it, scene. It made me hate him for a little moment whenever um, Pooh was going back into his home, and uh, you just see him like slowly walk away, and he's like, "Go on, then go inside," and he's like, um, "I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> I'm trying to find my friends. Um, I got bankrupt, so they locked me out." <laughs> And Christopher Robin was like, I gotta get back because I'm gonna lose my job. Yeah, and I actually hated Christopher Robin in that moment. Like, yeah. not the hate, hate, but like, you know what I mean? Like, as a character, I but, thought, man, this guy, you grew up with him, you'd just be an a hole. It's like, you know, the entire story, he, well, not the entire story, the entire movie, he's like, I gotta get back to London, I gotta get back to London, we gotta get back to London, I gotta get back to London, I gotta, I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work. I'm like, 
dude, just slow down. Try to enjoy this moment. You haven't it, seen it these guys It does seem like that's time. how he is, though, at this moment. Is That's how his character's grown up to be because of the fact that he's got a wife, he's got a kid. And he wanted to spend the weekend with them, but he couldn't. Yeah, you know, he wants a briefcase salesman. Briefcase sales are the backbone of this nation. <laughs> Don't you ever disrespect briefcase sales like that ever again. And the final 20 minutes was just them trying to get back to London and his uh, his daughter teaming up with Wayne the Pooh, which was the best moments in my opinion. Because yeah, those are the best moments that really happened in this film. It really feels like it actually came to life in that moment. Even yes. though these characters had been on screen for, I think, about 20 or 30 minutes at this point, it, yes. it really feels like it picks up um yeah because we could see that relationship with his daughter and the characters like we did with him at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. where it was him as a kid and his last time being in that forest with all his characters from the next 30 years i would say yeah it, so, it feels a lot like that transition at the end of toy story 3 with andy and bonnie yes. only in this version of it andy really sucks and bonnie's really cool yes we want them to go with bonnie yes um yeah, um, I haven't seen Toy Story three in a while now. Uh-huh. About that, but it's a great actually, movie. yeah, it's, it's a great movie. It's a great, great trilogy. Movie. It's a perfect trilogy. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, no, bad guys for Robin. We're not uh, talking about. We're Toy not Story. talking about Toy Story. Um, yeah, and, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I did like that. I, I did love how they transitioned it. I think that they made a big mistake ending it with Christopher Robin spending time with. Pooh. I think they should have given Pooh and the rest of the gang to uh, his daughter. Yes, but you gotta admit, that's kind of a charming, heartwarming scene. It was because, a heartwarming scene. Because we see him just settling down and being the character, the kid, inside that he he always had, but just over the years, he kind of lost, he kind of lost it, but it just came back out, and he was just... Christopher Robin for that brief five minutes. It was just him hanging with these characters and his daughter and his wife, and he just calmed down. He wasn't in a hole. He was just Christopher Robin. He wasn't Robin. in a rush to get back to London. He was just <laughs> Christopher Robin, and that yeah. was a beautiful scene. I, I okay. like the ending. Okay, if I, if I were to fix that, then give us a post-credit scene with, <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, the I very was, end. The, I would the, say the post-credit scene would be his daughter going back through the door. That would be the best post-credit scene. They should have done that. And, I mean, it's Disney. They can do that. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. So, any other spoilers in this movie? Who <laughs> uh, uh, kills everyone? <laughs> the very end of the movie, he goes nuts. He pulls out a 12-gauge, lines them all up, and Bam! <laughs> He, he, he turns into Jack from from The Shining. <laughs> Here's Bill. Christopher <laughs> uh, Robin. Boom. <laughs> um, uh, no, if you guys can't tell, we're, we're just messing around. If you, yes. th- that, was, that was the post-credit scene, you guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, this movie doesn't really have a lot to spoil. Um, I mean, if they ever make a sequel to this, and I guess I'd be fine with it. I just hope that they would do it with his daughter instead yeah. of because we have. Yeah, give us a sequel where it's focused on the daughter. That's that'd be a better story. You can give us that. Christopher Robin in the movie. Just don't focus. He can make a little cameo, him, but he yeah. can't just be in the entire movie because he wasn't yeah. that great of a main character. I guess I really don't know what would be considered spoiler territory for a Christopher Robin movie. Considering because I mean, like whenever you watch a Marvel movie, you say. Oh, there's a huge, like, spoiler at the end. Don't say anything about Thanos. Everyone dies! 
What if Eeyore is the Thanos in this universe? We don't know. <laughs> Does Eeyore um, come back at the very end of it and just try to kill everyone? Someone, Did you know? Someone let us know. Did you uh, know that Mark Ruckel actually spoiled the ending like months before Before it, came it even out. came out. There was a huge interview from Comic-Con last year. That, oh and my he God. said... He's yeah, like, wait till you see this one. Everyone dies. He says it. He says everyone dies, and the dude. Don Cheadle looks at him for a second. He's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" But a lot of people thought he was joking because in uh, what was it called? Uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. And in everyone Age actually like that, died, but no one actually died. It was just a vision. In the age before that, uh, there was an interview, and he also said everyone dies, and he went on there with Robert Downey Jr., and Robert Downey Jr. like, hey, what are you doing? But no one, everyone doesn't die in this movie, but watching... The Avengers cast has been spoiling Avengers <laughs> Infinity War for years, and we never noticed it. Yes. Okay, but yeah, that was our episode covering Christopher Robin and some James Gunn news. Next week, we'll be reviewing The Meg, and hopefully we'll be giving you guys some more news. That's it for this episode. Wait, we gotta give our final score. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We never gave her a score, but we did give a good premise. Okay. Um, Hold on there. No, I, don't go Chris off. Robin, my final verdict is 6.5 out of 10. I give it a 7. 7? All right. Care. Pretty solid. Don't go all Chris for Robin on me where you're trying to force and try and get back to London. I don't want to hear that. I got to get back to London. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, make sure to like and subscribe. And um, we're out. <laughs>